0: This episode of the Voices of Victor's podcast is brought to you by the University of Michigan Credit Union, the official auto loan provider of the Alumni Association of the University of Michigan. Go farther with UMCU. Auto loans new to UMCU have low rates that let you cover more ground for less. Visit umcu.org today, insured by NCUA. From the Alumni Association of the University of Michigan, this is the Voices of Victor's podcast. And this week, we're talking to two University of Michigan gridiron legends. And not only that, but their father and son. Our friend Daniel Smith was able to spend some time on Zoom chatting with Stan and Braylon Edwards. Stan, a standout running back at the University of Michigan from 1977 to 1981, who went on to a career in the NFL. And his son Braylon was a star wide receiver who also had a career in the NFL. And for these two gentlemen, the University of Michigan is not just another school. It's a brotherhood. They are maize and blue through and through and are doing excellent work with the university to give back. And now it's time to let them in the Zoom meeting for a chat.
1: So Stan, I'd like to start with you and learn about your Michigan journey. So tell us a bit about your background and how you landed at the University of Michigan uh, in the 1970s.
2: Yeah, that's interesting, Daniel. Thank you for the question. It's been a bit of a unique background and journey to Michigan for me because I grew up a Spartan lover. All of the guys in my neighborhood that were Division I, Big Ten prospects all went to Michigan State. Uh, Levi Jackson, who was one of the all-time leading rushers at Michigan State, was a childhood and neighborhood hero of mine. And so I wanted to follow him going to Michigan State. You know, he would come back from East Lansing to indoctrinate me to uh, Spartan Nation into being a a Michigan State Spartan and look forward to it. You know, during my senior year, recruiting really picked up and they changed coaches up at Michigan State. Uh, Levi Jackson no longer played a great deal. That frustration to him came to me and so I kind of soured on Michigan State and opened my eyes to other recruitment. Uh, so when I opened my recruitment up and visited Ann Arbor, and then Bo came by the school to visit me, it kind of opened my eyes up to what University of Michigan about. I took all my visits, and I visited University of Michigan, I visited Ohio State, I visited University of Texas, I visited UCLA, and I visited Purdue. And out of those schools, my worst visit by far was Ohio State University. Woody Hayes, in the entire weekend, spent all of five minutes with me. So I knew I wasn't going there. When I went to the University of Texas and in UCLA, buddy, I had a ball (laughs) on my visit. But when it came down to it. And there was no snow uh, there either. No, none whatsoever. And so my mom wanted me to stay home. And the way Bo Schenberger talked about me, about coming here and earning a right to be the best player we're going to be, and you're going to play on national TV three times a year, and you're going to go to a major bowl game, all those were intriguing to me, plus being close to home. So I ended up going to Michigan there. The best decision I ever made.
1: Gotcha. You know, you talk about it being the best decision.
2: You know, uh, Bo is a big figure. Um, I was a little intimidated by Bo. He was a master communicator. He understood how powerful his words were, and he made sure that you feared him. Not only you as a player, he made sure all the assistant coaches feared him. The way he ran the program was we have one voice here and it's my voice. You either do it my way or it's the highway. The good news about that is we did it the right way. His way was the right way. And so we learned discipline. We learned order. We learned consistency. Everything was done the same way all the time. You never had to wonder what was going on. You never had to be confused about what we were going to do. Beyond the football field,
1: how did the university kind of grab you and hold you, too?
2: Well, uh, to this day, that's one of the, the major things I look back on. I mean, when I go to business meetings and trying to do a negotiation, I sit a little taller. And I am so proud when the conversation comes up, when you're meeting different colleagues in different parts of the uh, the world, when they ask you, what school did you go to? I always smile and say, I went to the University of Michigan. And oftentimes, whether they're in the Ivy League, whether they're Stanford or Georgetown or or Duke, the eyes kind of light up. That I've always, always been proud of to this day.
1: Thanks for that, Stan. Now, Braylon, we heard your father's kind of journey to Michigan. Let's talk about your journey to Ann Arbor. So you're in high school. You're the highly recruited football player. You have the opportunity to attend any number of schools. So what was that process like for you? What other schools did you consider? And then
3: also, what role did your father play in that process? Uh, well, that's not exactly entirely true. Like I didn't have my my fill of schools to go to. I wasn't necessarily highly sought after. Uh, my my first three and a half years, pretty much. Um, I always wanted to go to Michigan. Down with the Michigan. Michigan is all I knew. No, it was just like a natural, like you can hear it in his voice, it's just respect. Like he had respect for his institution. He was very proud of the University of Michigan. So I was able to see that growing up and it made me proud to walk, you know, in the, the alumni parking lot before tailgates and I mean, you know, going in the locker room, during games. game. So I always wanted to go there, not to mention once I started getting older, I started to be able to develop my own respect and admiration and, you know, inquiry about Michigan watching Desmond Howard and watching, you know, Ricky Powers and... Chimunga, Biaka Patuka, and then eventually Charles Woodson and the national championship team. What I go? I went to Michigan's clinic of my junior year, and I went over there and turned some heads. And then in the summer, I went to Michigan's camp in Ann Arbor and really turned heads. And then I went to Michigan State's camp and turned heads, and they offered me. And then once they offered me, Michigan really kind of, okay, now we really got to pay attention. And they still were very slow. With the the offer, but it came in you know, October after a Wisconsin game of my senior year. And once they uh, once they offered me, I definitely was excited to come. The one thing I didn't mention that kind of stalled the process as well as I broke my knee in May of my sophomore year, so that delayed me in terms of growing and uh, maturing at a, an athletic rate. So that kind of slowed me down and hampered me. But you know, with all that being said, eventually. I got to an offer and decided to go. Yeah, dad was influential. I mean, obviously when your father goes somewhere plays at a high level, yeah, you know, that's kinda you know, what you wanna do and what you wanna follow in dad's footsteps. But at the same time he wasn't you know, like I say, he wasn't forcing me to go to University of Michigan. He didn't he let me be my own teenager slash young man and you know, here we are years later.
1: Wonderful. And Stan, how did you feel when Braylon selected Michigan and kind of what did that mean to you as a father that he was going to kind of follow in your footsteps and wear the maize and blue?
2: To say I was ecstatic is, you know, would minimize how exuberant I was. One of the things I knew and understood was he was going to absolutely respect and love the decision that he made because I knew the kind of person and the kind of player he could be. But when he decided to go to school, go to Michigan, I was very, very proud. I'm not really surprised at his career at Michigan. Uh, I didn't know it was going to go as well as it did, but I knew he could play. Uh, so once he decided, uh, I was very happy. The family was very happy. And I knew Michigan was going to really enjoy the fact that they finally decide to give him a scholarship.
1: Wonderful. So, Braylon, you have this this awesome career at Michigan. Um, when you reflect on your time at Michigan, is there a moment that stands out, something where you say to yourself, yeah, th- this is why I'm a Michigan man?
3: Oh, man, this is a, it's a couple of those. Um, yeah, I think the first one is we played Ohio State my my junior year. You know, if you know the rivalry, especially when you grow up in the rivalry. Now, you go to Michigan to play Ohio State and then to play in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, hopefully national championship. So in my junior year, they're number two in the country. If they beat us, they go to back-to-back national championships. And the stage was set. I think we were ranked ninth. I think we ranked ninth and they ranked two or something like that. But when we beat them handily, like it wasn't even close, to be honest. We really beat up on them at home. And after the game, I got to put the Rose in my mouth. Like, you know, so many that have come before me, you know, uh, implicating that we're going to the Rose Bowl and we win the Big Ten outright. No splits, no ties, no shares. Like that in itself was like the moment that... I was like, finally, like, this is why I came to U of M. I came to win the Big Ten title. Like, I came to beat Ohio State. Like, I came to go to the Rose Bowl. Like, that moment kind of culminated everything that I had strived for. You know, not to mention, I had a good game. Like, everything in that game came together, and it was the reason why I chose to go to Michigan.
1: So you both enjoy some pretty rich experiences at Michigan, and it's worth noting that there's another Edwards son who attended Michigan and suited up for the Wolverines, and that's Berkeley Edwards. You know, Stan, for you, you know, you had Braylon kind of follow behind you. Was there family pride in seeing that tradition extended yet another step forward?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And interesting you said that. When Berkeley first took the field in the winged helmet and went out on the field, it was kind of an eerie feeling. But watching him play, I felt a little bit relieved Because Berkeley, uh, he knew that I played there. He knew that his older brother had played there. And that was a lifelong dream for him to make sure he can go out there, touch the banner, and wear the winged helmet as well. So when he finally got a chance to play at Michigan, the relief on him was a a monumental pleasure for me as a dad. Wonderful.
1: And you you both parlay those great experiences and terrific careers at Michigan into NFL careers. So both on and off the field. How did Michigan prepare each of you for the road ahead? Stan, let's start with you and Braylon jumping after that. Just how did Michigan prepare you for for what came after?
2: Uh, Interesting, because people always tell me, hey, you played in the NFL. Going from college to the NFL, that must have been a big jump. Actually, it was not. The biggest jump for me relative to being prepared to play at the next level was from high school to college. I was very intimidated. But after I finished my career at Michigan, And I got drafted and I started playing, you know, professional football and training camp at preseason. I was prepared. I was ready. You know, I was playing against obviously some of the best players in the world, but I had earned the right to be there. And I was ready to show the skills that I had learned and been taught at Michigan to compete on that level.
3: And what about you, Braylon? Uh, I would agree. Uh, when you go from high school to college and when you go to a big school like a Michigan or Ohio State or Alabama, Oklahoma, like those schools are like NFL programs. Like the way in which they run those programs and the recruits that they bring in, like you legitimately jump into an NFL style offense or NFL style team or run program. And you're also jumping in with talent that is going to be in the NFL. Like the talent that you come in with for the most part is going to play in somebody's NFL team. So that's an interesting jump. Like that one really makes you look in the mirror uh, your freshman year, and ask yourself, do you have it? Do you want it? The jump to the NFL, Michigan prepared, like my father said, prepared as well. Like, I remember going to Cleveland, and, and it sounds terrible. Cleveland actually was behind me in terms of where I had come from offensively-wise. Like, I knew the offense, like, better than most of the guys on the team for the Browns. Like, I knew that offense. That like, offense was easy. We ran it. At Michigan, I didn't have to learn anything. I just, like, my fall process, the way in which I was competing – it was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be in terms of just inside my team. The hard part, like it's not speed or strength where the difference is. The difference is the attention to detail versus the actual speed and, uh, and size.
1: Let's delve into kind of your post-playing career. So, Stan, you're 27 years old when you play your last NFL game for the Lions. T- talk about where life took you after the NFL.
2: Um. <clears throat> Being a University of Michigan uh, alumni at that time and a graduate, it, I had a lot of opportunities. One of the things that was a challenge for me was not being a physical person. My life was built around, you know, guts, blood, sweat and tears, working out, strength, alpha male, being the dominant guy in the room. And I had to learn how to adjust that, that was no longer important to me and I didn't need to be that guy. And so there was an 18-month to 24-month period where I had to really understand that that wasn't my life anymore. I had to be a normal citizen and I had to act like one. I mean, don't get me wrong. I had a different mindset and mentality about how I should approach things. It had to change. But I think a lot of players go through that. But once I was able to do that, it was very easy for me to use my University of Michigan experience and degree to start into the business world. And for the past, you know, 20 or 30 years, I've been in professional services, initially starting off in uh, with commercial insurance, but I've been in commercial real estate uh, to this day right now for about 20 years or so. And again, my Michigan relationships has taken me to the office of Stephen Ross. It has taken me to meet uh, Sam Zell. It has taken me to meet Fred Wilpon. And some of the other real estate magnets that also, you know, walk the halls and streets in Ann Arbor and University of Michigan. So being in business now and being from Michigan has really aided me.
1: And Braylon, how was that for you? Because as your dad kind of says, that can be jarring for a lot of folks when your identity is so wrapped up in athletics and you got this. Well, that's no longer with you. So how did you how was that transition for you?
3: Um. Yeah, I, I think our paths were somewhat different. I think for me, it ended kind of abruptly for myself like it ended abruptly and it was due to to injury I think for me I was I was lost for a period because I think for me football is all I ever known like don't get me wrong I've always had good grades in school but school came easy for me I was a kid that didn't have to study and could still get a minus you know, I was a kid that was always on the, the honor roll so like you know I always had good marks in, in school but football was my identity and it kind of just in a blink of an eye you look at I mean Corbow O seven, traded oh nine, good year, make the AFC championship with the Jets, come back the next year, I, had, I think my best full year, then another AFC championship, and then strike year, and then you know the Jets bring Santonio back, and then I go to the 49ers, then I get injured, then I have another so it's like it was this quick downward spiral of injury, and so once it was over. I kind of looked up and was like, what happened? So then I'm just, I'm living in Miami, which isn't the the best place to be depressed if, if you get my drift. So I'm just trying to figure out like, you know, am I done? You know, what's next? What do I do? And I didn't use the Michigan degree right away. Now I went back to get my degree in 17, but I just was trying to figure out what do I do now? Everyone says do commentary. So I did commentary, but I'm like, I don't really love commentary. I'm good at it, but I don't love it. Well, let me do this. Well, let me not do this. So I spent some time trying to really find out who I was. And I think going back to school uh, was the bright point. Once I got back, and it goes back to being like proud to be University of Michigan and what Michigan does for it. Once I got back on campus in 2017, University of Michigan, I realized That I was way more than football. I re-realized like my family ties. I re-realized like I could do anything I wanted to, just you know, take the time, use the Michigan resources. So like once I did that, I started to like plant seeds and learn about things and figure out why I can do this. Well, how do I do that? And talked to my dad more, who like he said, you know, he's been building relationships since 1977. Realistically, he's been building relationships since 1977. So like once that happened, and I was able to let go of you know, football. Hey man, Like it, it was great. Like it gave you eight years. It gave you some good times. It gave you some, you know, so once I was able to do that, I was able to be comfortable in my own skin again and go out there and start, you know, Hey, what do you want to, Braylon, what do you want to do? And go out and do it. It seems that that return to Ann Arbor for you coming back
1: to school was kind of a personal kind of reawakening. Is that, is that accurate?
3: It's very accurate. A lot of us go through that. Like my dad said, he said 18 to 24 months, Like, no matter what level you get to, like, you look at someone like Peyton Manning. You know, Peyton Manning had all the success you can have. I'm pretty sure, with the exception of his commercials, Peyton had to prepare for that. Jerome Bettis, another individual who retired on top, but had to prepare for that. You got to find what you had before. And I think that's what ultimately the guys that find it and are able to have success after is they realize who they were before football, who they were during football, and, you know, who they are. So, Michigan is Michigan is a part of who we are. And you have to ask yourself, so why is that? Like, what is it about Michigan? What is it about yourself? What is the connection to the two? And you realize that you know there's greatness in both of us. Yeah. So like, when I went back to Michigan, that was it. And so how different was that experience for you? You walked in
1: graduation in 2017? How different was that kind of second act at Michigan, so to speak, than
3: the first one when you were 20 years old? <laughs> I was old as hell. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I just remember walking in classes, and you're talking about 2017, what is it, 2017, I was 34? I was going on 34 at the start of the semester. I mean, kids were 18, 19, like these kids were like babies, you know, what I'm saying? when I was at Michigan. Yeah, so, but it was fun, though, to come on campus and park my car and get tickets like I did when I was... When I was 18, 19, i go to class and kind of take notes. And the interesting part of it is when well, you go back and you're older, you're more focused because you know exactly what you're doing. Like, I'm here to to get this degree. I'm here to get this. I have to do this, that, and the third. This paper is due by by this time. I need this much time to sleep. I need to eat this time. Like, you're older, you're regimented. You're more disciplined as opposed to being 19 and You know, not doing homework till four in the morning and then waking up at seven to go to to practice to turn around. So it was like I was much more regimented and I didn't have to go to practice. That was the best part.
1: And so you're back in the big house, April 29th, 2017. That's when you walk uh, in graduation. Take us back to that day. What did that day mean to you? It was
3: great because it was for my family, it's so many memories in the big house. You know what I'm saying? Like for my dad, for myself, the family has been in there watching. So to be in there and to have this moment that's not related to sport. Like sport got me here, but it's not related to sport. Like it was going back to get my degree in, in the midst of being gone from school for 13 years, you know, coming back and, and, and doing it, you know, taking the time. I didn't have to. It benefited me a lot, but I didn't have to. But to go back and have my family in attendance, and have them there and to be able to look up, you know, the the sports graduation at, at Chrysler the night before, and then the the, uh, the actual whole school graduation the next morning. Like it was special. Like that was something that was very special, and it was something that gave me peace of mind, like moving forward. It was all right. You're still who you are, you know. So let's go out there and let's utilize this and let's you know take this step forward.
1: And Stan, as you observed Braylon, kind of in the second act, so to speak. Did you kind of see this change and morphing in him and kind of this new person kind of awaken?
2: Yeah, I did, but I had to learn a lot about him. And so for me, you know, guys who had reached that stature that he had reached, who were known throughout the world, let alone high profile in the United States of America, there's been a few guys who've used that that notoriety and leveraged it into a lot of different things, particularly on the business side. And I was really pushing him and pushing him too hard to... Become the next Magic Johnson, to become the next guy by leveraging his name and putting a group of people around him. But that didn't make him happy. What I had to learn is he has to be happy and do what he wants to do. And that's what I had to learn, is to make sure that I understood what made him happy. And, Braylon, if
1: we we go back to you after you're that 2017 graduation, you write a book in 2019 titled Doing It My Way. Can you talk about what motivated that effort and kind of what you wanted to accomplish with that?
3: Yeah. Triumph is the book company that we use, the publisher that we use. They came to us the year before. You know, We didn't know about writing a book. And then we, they told us the numbers, you know, we looked at the numbers and said, man, we're not writing a book for that, for that amount of money. So you know, we just kind of passed on it. So then you know, we started telling people that someone came to us, presented us the idea of writing a book and sharing a story. So like, what would we even talk about? What would a book be about? And people just start giving me ideas like, "Well, you've always said they've misconstrued your story here at this point or at that point," or like, it was just so much to start coming out of people's mouths in terms of ideas. So it made sense. So when they came back, the second time was no longer about the money; it was about telling the Braylon Edwards story, which includes my whole family, but telling the story like from my my point of view. It's just about me putting out a a factual account of my journey. This is what it is, and so. And when we put it out, I just wanted people to know the truth about some situations where you thought I was a victim, I wasn't. Some situations in which you thought I was, you know, the bad guy, I, I wasn't. You know, it's, this is exactly what it is. Let's put it out and you know, let's give people the credit. and you know, let's give a lot of thanks and at the same time tell the story and, you know, get it off my chest. And when I say when I finished writing that book with Tom Van Heren from ESPN, when I read it and when it came out, it was like a sigh of relief. I never knew it was going to feel like that. It was It was definitely
1: very cleansing. Writing a book like that can really kind of urge reflection. Did you find yourself, how did your relationship or your thoughts on University of Michigan and its place in your life change as a result of that very kind of intense reflection process that a book demands?
3: Yeah, because I think a lot of times when you look back at stories, you know, you get, you know, hazy on details. You You start to tell yourself one version of what what happened. You're like, yeah, you know, and the person did this and they said that. And that's why 13 years later, we don't talk. And then when you really dive into a story, you really dive into the details, you realize you were, you know, you were at fault in a situation and you have to rethink those things or, you know, just just anything. When you really assess things, it really puts a lot into perspective. And I think University of Michigan still stands tall and they still gave us the opportunity. So like when I even was writing the book, you know, I just look back at. I think like my journey was just a constant adaptation. Like I was always adapting, like I was like adapting to something. I think everyone does that, but not people have as much adversity. Some people have more, some people have less. Like I just always had some adversity to kind of like get through, be it knee injuries or. So it was just a lot that I had to adapt to. And I did. So you can do anything. And also don't make things so hard for yourself. <laughs> I think I I think I had a way of making things harder for myself than they had to be.
1: So, You know, during your playing career, Braylon, um, you started giving generously to the University of Michigan. So, you know, at this point, you're in your mid-20s. You're making significant gifts that help propel the university's mission. You know, as a professional athlete, your attention, your support, your presence, you're pulled in so many different directions, right? And so what kind of spurred
3: efforts to give back to the University of Michigan and why was that important for you? Well, that comes from my dad. My mom's that way too, but I saw it more directly through my father. Like he was always going to camps and giving his voice, giving his, his aid, giving his time and energy to help our young inner city kids show them that things were possible, they were achievable. I remember him always setting up things through the Maximum Alpha Track Club, which he started and which he's still to this day as a head coach of. Uh, in terms of setting up programs where we go out and feed families during the holidays that that didn't have anything, or we would go read to kids at the Salvation Army that were homeless, that had a lot less than us, and read to them from the holidays. He was always in that field. I think it's because he saw it growing up as a kid in the city, Side of Detroit, where he had the heart of giving back and wanting to be, you know, someone to show you that, hey, man, you can give back. Hey, it doesn't have to be money. It can be time. It can be effort. It can be energy. So just seeing that growing up and being a part of that, like that stuck with me. And so when we start doing things and uh, once you get to that next level to whom much is given, much is expected. And for you, Braylon, that philanthropy continues today um, with Michigan. So I've heard, you
1: know, some support for the Michigan Athletics, Cleveland Scholars, Musical Society, and then I hear you're getting more involved with LEED and the Depression Center. So, I mean, can you talk about some of the things that you've tried to
3: support? Well, Dad and I came up with the endowment, which still to this day goes on. It's the, uh, the number one endowment. It's just the name of the endowment. They give money throughout the football program and also to inner city education. So that's been going on. Since two thousand and seven now. The Cleveland deal was the advanced one hundred where we gave ten thousand dollars to a hundred kids. So it was a million dollar, it was a million dollar scholarship in total. We started following them in 07. They graduated in eleven and then they graduated in fifteen, some of them sixteen and seventeen. But I still talk to some of those kids that, you know, went on to go to school and are doing well for themselves. We keep in contact through text, mostly through email. And then working with Nancy Davis over at the Depression Center. In the last two and a half years, three years, I've been really focused on mental health as well as addiction. I started with addiction just kind of because of, you know, former teammates. Like I kind of saw that. And then I saw in the community moving back here to Michigan is the pipeline of the uh, the opioid pipeline. It was real bad in 2017, 18. It's gotten a lot better. And then from there, you just kind of like learn more. Like from addiction, it takes you to mental health, you know, take care of your depression, which also leads you to trauma care and PTSD. I've been working in that field the last three years and you know, it's that's a field that I wanna bring shed more light to. There's such a stigma around it that people like with names don't necessarily wanna be known with it. Like they may donate money, which we appreciate. That goes to support, it goes to research, it goes to programs that we can put together, but we also wanna see faces because the bigger the face you have, you know, it allows more of these people that have mental health that don't even know it or have bad addictions to come from out of the shadows, so.
1: And, and Braylon, you mentioned that you're back in Ann Arbor now. Um, now that that is the case, I mean, do you hope that that can kind of bring about some better engagement with the university? And, and is that something that kind of excites you?
3: No, definitely. And i you know, working with the Alumni Association as one of the things that that was very exciting and intriguing the first uh, Zoom that we did. And I got a chance to speak and talk to the kids a little bit. But yeah, definitely, I'm here. I want to be used as a, as a vessel. My dad and I, you know, we were student-athletes. But since our time in Michigan, we've left and we've picked up many different hats. And I want to be able to help in all the fields and all the ways in which the hats that I wear. Like, I don't have to just talk to the Michigan football team and give them a rah-rah speech before they go play Indiana. Like, I don't have to just go talk to students about make sure you're... You know, your your time management skills are together. Like I can go talk to mental health. I can go talk addiction. I can go talk philanthropy. I can go talk to the importance of giving back. I can go tell former alums the importance of coming back to the University of Michigan and, and using your leverage and re with the school. So I have a bunch of hats and I would like to wear them all. And so let's close with this question for each of you. When you think of the University
1: of Michigan, when you think of your experience there, when you think of your long-standing relationship you've had with the university that continues to today, what does the University of Michigan mean to you?
2: For me, it is an opportunity to always go in any part of the world and meet someone who is either a Michigan grad or has great admiration for the University of Michigan. So those two things are really exciting for me even at someone at my age, I'm turning to chase my passion now, which is to start an all sports television network. And I, you know, I got my Michigan relationships who are helping me with financing and capital and and some of the other things. Daniel, if you can help out here, I'm still looking for an executive producer to run the station. So if in your syndication, you may know someone, let me know, holler at your guy. But the University of Michigan is always to this day allowed me to feel good about myself and my family as well as professionally.
3: Yeah, uh you know, I'll I'll say something differently. I think Michigan is a brotherhood. I think Michigan has allowed me another brotherhood. I mean my father is my father, but he's also my brother in arms. You know, my brother is my brother by by blood, but he's also my brother in arms. Someone we didn't talk about is uh my uncle, my dad's younger, younger brother went to Michigan as well and walked on University of Michigan, ended up getting a scholarship his his last year, Michigan, like he's my uncle and also brother in arms. So I think you just have this brother of individuals that, you know, understand each other. And we all respect one another and we all know what we went through.
0: Thanks to Daniel Smith for contributing this interview and to our guests, Stan Edwards, class of 82, and Braylon Edwards, class of 17. The Alumni Association of the University of Michigan provides connection and community for your fellow alumni. If you become a member, we invite you to do so. Visit our website at alumni.umich.edu. We are using this platform to amplify the voices of alumni everywhere and tell their stories. If you like what you heard, give this podcast a rating and review and hit the subscribe button. Or ask your smart speaker to play the Voices of Victor's podcast. Until next time, wherever you go, go blue.